Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome everyone to a special podcast series rounding out 2022 as we look through some of the highlights of the year that you are voting for in the Motorsport Magazine Awards. Now I'm Chris Medland and to look back at the candidates for the best driver this year, I'm joined by someone who has started 179 Grand Prix and someone who has followed all of those and more. Uh, Roman Grosjean, welcome to the show. Thank you. And Damien Smith, thanks for joining us as well. Good to be here. So, Roman, I'll start with you. The uh, IndyCar season ended a few months ago, but you've clearly been keeping very busy. What have you been up to since then? Yeah, I mean, the the, the winter break in IndyCar is so long. We got like six months of no racing, uh, which, uh, which is not uh, not ideal when you're a driver and you want to drive more more often than you rest. But um, I've been keeping busy. I've been doing quite a bit of appearances for DHL through the US and... Um, as well, uh, going to visit the Lamborghini factory as I'm joining the program for the endurance races next year in IMSA and the LMDH development and uh, some endurance races as well in the, in the future with the new LMDH, uh, which, by the way, looks amazing. Oh, it certainly does. I mean, this is going to be an F1 podcast, but uh, we could talk about uh, those LMDH regulations all day. And I believe you're also preparing for your first uh, appearance at the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Yeah, that's correct. So that's uh, that's coming very quick. You know, early, well, mid January we're going we're doing the raw. So um, I'm doing that with uh, with Lamborghini on the GT3, uh, the Hurricane Evo 2 GT3, uh, which is a bit very different type of cars that I've been driving for, well, 12 years now. In 2010, I was doing GT1, but um, never had ABS on any of my racing cars. So that's going to be new. Uh, but it's pretty exciting. And uh, you know, when you when you I know we're talking Formula One, but when you're just generally car fan and you get the chance to visit the Lamborghini Museum or factory, it does something special to you. Oh, I bet. And like you said, we're going to talk Formula One, but I guess your perspective has been enhanced uh, to judge how drivers are performing because you've seen it all in F1, but now you've also seen it in totally different categories as well. Yeah, absolutely. Got lucky to uh, to discover uh, different drivers, uh, obviously racing some of them in Formula One since I, I've quit Formula One, I've been watching every, pretty much every race. Um, you know, I'm still, I mean, I was a fan before being in Formula One and I'm a fan after being in Formula One. It just, uh, it's just what I grew up with, what I love watching. So uh, I record the races or I just try not to go on social media, not to see the results until I'm, I'm watching it live. So oh, delayed, live delayed, let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been quite an interesting season. Uh, so keep an eye on that, and, and as you said, discovering a lot more here in the US through the IndyCar and uh, through the uh, the engines racing in IMSA. Well, thanks very much for joining us on the show from Miami. Um, but I'm going to throw it to Damien now because uh, I'm sorry, Damien, but the listeners can't see. But the backdrop looks slightly less sunny where you are. Yeah, it's been very snowy here, but not enough snow for snowmen, which is my, my children were hoping to make some snowmen. But um, there's been a, a light flurry, which it looks very Christmassy for this time of year. 
Uh, so it's, it's lovely down here, yes. Well, what has life looked like for Motorsport Magazine's special contributor since we recorded the season review when it was less snowy? Well, it is season review time, so I've been lots of, writing lots of reviews. Um, but one interesting thing you might be interested to hear about is uh, it's in the next issue of the magazine. There's a, a new eight-part series on Bernie Eccleston, uh, which is coming out um, on the 27th of December. It's on a channel called um, Discovery Plus, which I wasn't completely aware of, to be honest. But it's uh, it's uh, a, a channel that's available online, and it's made the series is made by Manish Pandey, who made the Senna documentary, and it was filmed with Bernie. And basically, it's Bernie giving his account of his story of Formula One from 1950 to the present day, uh, with lots of interviews with him that was done uh, in Switzerland during lockdown. And it's fascinating. It's really interesting to hear. Bernie talking about his perspective on this whole, you know, uh, 70 year history of Formula One um, through his eyes. And the archive footage is absolutely stunning. I've only seen the first two episodes, um, but Richard Wiseman, who's a great archivist who uh, motorsport readers might be aware of, he's uh, he's worked on a lot of these documentaries and he's found some real gems. So this is a real treat. Uh, 27th December is coming out. Oh, that'd be a great watch. I look forward to seeing that. And I'll, there'll be some legendary drivers, I'm sure, that are referenced and talked about in there. But uh, for this week's show, we are going to focus on four drivers and four drivers alone that all raced in 2022 in Formula One. So let's take a look at the shortlist that our listeners and readers are voting on. Uh, and I should point out that the criteria for this uh, states that winning isn't everything in this category. As well as success, we're looking for a driver who personifies the spirit of racing. Uh, which you may have thought opens up the potential for a driver who barely scored any points this year. But uh, the four that we've gone for are actually pretty successful. So the shortlist based on championship position is Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, George Russell and Lando Norris. Now, what do you make of those four candidates, Roman? Is there anyone that you'd have had in there yourself instead of any of those four? Uh, probably. And, and you know, I, I, I like and I don't like those lists uh, just because... <laughs> You never see a driver from a Williams, a Haas, barely Alfa Romeo, Alfa Torre on the list. And I understand they're not based on results, but you know, when you're fighting, maybe sometime with 16 is the best you could do and you've been driving as well as the guy that's won the race, no one's going to see it. So I think it's important that, yes, there's classification. And the one that you named, definitely I've got the, the, the position on the list, absolutely. But uh, I think there's some others one down there that uh, that also kind of deserved um, and, and did a pretty decent job or very good job in the year. Um, but anyway, uh, those guys, yes, I think um, I mean Max, amazing. If I go very quickly, Max is amazing. Charles gave it all. Uh, George, surprisingly, is the only one that won for Mercedes uh, next to Lewis. And then Lando has been absolutely dominating Daniel for the last two years, and, and Daniel is a very very fast driver. Yeah, it's been uh, impressive what those four have done, isn't it, Damien? But are, are you with Roman? Were there a few others that maybe came close to making your final list? I think it's a fair list in terms of consistency over the course of the season. Um, but there are a lot of drivers, as, as Roman says, who are in lower teams, who at times have really shone. You know, people like Bottas, what he did at Alfa Romeo, particularly in the early part of the season. Um, you know, Kevin Magnussen coming into Haas at short notice, expecting to be a sports car driver this year and suddenly found himself back in the hot seat and I thought he did a great job across the season. Um, so yeah, you have to look a bit deeper, I think, but I think it's natural if you're going to take it down to four, I think these four are an obvious fit. 
Well, yeah, those those are the four that our listeners can all go and vote for at motorsportmagazine.com. And we could only put four up for vote because otherwise, as uh, these guys have both pointed out, we'd be here for three hours going through basically half the grid about who performed well at different times. But um, in that sense, it was a, a great season because I think pretty much every driver could point to certain standout performances that were very impressive. But let's flip that shortlist upside down then and start with Lando Norris, the only driver outside the top three teams to score a podium this season. What did you make of Norris's year, Roman? Uh, it's the continu- continuity of the one from last year. Having Lando um, really surprised me how quickly he grow- grew in Formula 1 and how consistent and fast he became. Um, you know, this year I think was interesting for him because McLaren didn't have a good start, didn't have a good car initially. And it's, I, was, I won't say it's easy when you have a good car, but it's easier because, you know, like the Mercedes over the last few years, you had a bad weekend, you would end up third or fourth. Um, so when you when you have a car that's not that competitive, like Londo did early on, it, it, it got the maximum out of it. And even when it looked like it wasn't going to be, like, you know, when you just make it from Q1 to Q2, but in Q2, you pull a really good lap, and in Q3, you get six or sevens, that's where you see that, okay, there's something, there's something special about it. Yeah, Lando was seventh overall in the Drivers' Championship this season. So, yeah, behind, uh, yeah, led the midfield in that sense, I guess. 122 points to his name, one podium with third place in Imola, and he also had two fastest laps, um, one of those coming at the end of the season. He, but he really led McLaren, didn't he, this season, Damien, especially when we look at how much Daniel Ricciardo was struggling. He really did. I mean, he's grown and matured very quickly. Um, he's obviously still a young man, but... He's, ex- he's vastly experienced already at this stage of his career. Um, and it's interesting because um, he deserves more, doesn't he, really? I mean, it, relatively speaking, he's got a competitive car. And I'm sure you know, there's been times during Roman's career when he's been driving a car, he had no hope of getting anywhere other than midfield. Um, and, and Lando's in a car that is at least knocking on the door of, of podium finishes. Only one podium this year because of uh, uh, the, the, the domination of Ferrari, Red Bull and and Mercedes, even though Mercedes had a bad year, he didn't really get a look in. But it's so frustrating for him that I think he's taking that team as far as it can possibly go at the moment. Um, and he's there to pick up the pieces whenever something drops his way. But that's all he can do. And you can't help feeling he deserves more than that. Well, Roman, I wanted to ask you, you obviously came into Formula One at a young age um, with a fairly competitive team, but it wasn't at its best at that point, and, and then slipped out and had to come back again and learn your craft. How impressed have you been with the fact that Lando's found his feet so quickly, I guess, at a young age to be con- consistently performing like this? You know, is, is that difficult to do? It is. It is. I think there are teams that are much better than others at getting a driver, the maximum of a driver. I think McLaren, if you look at the history, they've done really well with some, not so well with others. Like, you know, if we take Lewis, when he came to McLaren, absolutely stunning. Um, Lando uh, also, but uh, when Checo was at McLaren, it wasn't that good. Uh, I think Alfa Tauri is a very good team for young drivers. Um, they, they do form the drivers really well and then push them to Red Bull. So there are teams that are better than others in, in that aspect. Uh, I think uh, Alfa Romeo is pretty good with young drivers too. So, yes, I mean, he's... he's He's British into a British team. Um, he's, he's come there and I think he's just got the right attitude and, and the speed and the consistency and everything that the team needed. And I also quite admire Andreas Seidel. I think wherever Andreas has been, it's been very successful. And uh, 
crossed his path in 2011 in DTM doing some test BMW. Um, and wish I could have had worked more with him in the future or in the past or whatever. From that point, it was future. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he has been a very impressive hire for them. Um, and if, if we look at the the relationship, I guess, between Lando and Daniel, it, it seems to have been fine on the track. Uh, sorry, off the track, but on the track, Lando's absolutely dominated Daniel Hasney, Damien, over the last couple of years. And do we look at that as, well, you know, Daniel's really struggled? Or do we look at that as actually we have to then really be impressed with what Lando's produced? As always in Formula One, it's complicated, isn't it? I don't think there's a, a straightforward single answer to that. I think um, it's probably a bit of both. But Daniel's had his own problems. And it's been a very sort of sad spiral to see him going from being... Uh, the, the great driver he was for, for a time there and, and had so much ability and, and to, to take the wins that he did during his, his, his pomp at Red Bull to, to what he has become in the last two seasons. But Lando Norris deserves some credit for that as well, I think, in terms of um, just showing the what, what is capable from that team and that car in comparison. And, and as you say, there isn't really any, any comparison. Lando's kind of done a uh, a full job on on Daniel over the last two years, it has to be said. Yeah, he really has. Now, Roman already referenced to the fact that it was a, a British driver there on the shortlist, and we're going to move up three positions in the Drivers' Championship now when we get to another British driver with George Russell. Now, fourth overall for George after his first year with Mercedes, ahead of Carlos Sainz as well in, in the second Ferrari in the Drivers' Championship, and he picked up that debut win in Brazil. I guess... Perhaps what's most impressive, though, Damien, was the way that George slotted right in and was consistent right off the bat at Mercedes. Yeah, he's had to wait for this opportunity. Um, you know, he knew it was quite—it was coming for quite a while, or we thought it was coming for quite a while. Um, and then when he gets this drive, instead of walking into the the championship-winning car that he must have been expecting, because why wouldn't he? Um, obviously, he stepped into a, quite a difficult situation. But I do think how he reacted to that was deeply impressive. It was fairly flawless, really. And I do wonder whether the, the hard years at Williams maybe benefited him in that sense, that he understood what it took to, to knuckle down, to work with the engineers and the uh, designers to try and um, find answers to the, the very serious problems the team was facing. Um, very impressive, really, and, and how he stepped in. And I think his relationship with Lewis, very respectful at the same time, clearly not willing to be a number two um, and and pushing Lewis and obviously outscoring over the season. Remarkable. Yeah, it was. And Roman, you raced against George in his rookie season, uh, if I'm getting my maths right, and maybe even into his second, actually, uh, in Formula One when he was at Williams. Did you see this kind of level of talent in him or, or have you been surprised at how well he slotted into Mercedes? No, I think I was. Uh, I've seen I've seen him coming through the, the class and the field and, the, you know, a few guys out there that you know they're, they have something a little bit more than others, and definitely George is one of them. So um, I think Toto said it recently. I think we st he stayed one year too long at, at Williams, and yes, I I agree. I think he should have had the seat, you know, before. But anyway, he's got the seat, and, and as you said, I mean, he's, he's done really well because he came in. He came in on the team which which is designed not around Lewis, not as much as Red Bull designing around Max, but. Lewis has been the successful driver, seven-time world champion. Um, obviously, they had that big, big disappointment at the end of last year with the way the championship finished. But then he still comes in and, you know, you kind of accept, expect that maybe Lewis is going to be having the upper hand. And uh, actually not. George 
initially was the one having the upper hand, maybe because he came from Williams, maybe that for him a fourth position was great. Uh, well, it was okay or great, you know, for Lewis, a fourth position was disappointing. So maybe that's why he did manage to serve that wave. And then when the car got better, obviously, the only, they had one chance this year to win a race, and, and that was really Brazil, and he took it. Um, Lewis did some other really good races, like Zandvoort, I remember. But the day they had the car to win, George was right up there. Uh, was lucky, you know, he created a red flag in, in, in qualifying, allowed <laughs> him to start third, and then, and, then, and so on and so forth. But when it's your weekend, it's your weekend. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, as you've referenced, you know, he did take that one ahead of Lewis, and across the whole season, he outscored him by 35 points. Um, how much do we read into the fact that he beat Lewis Hamilton in their first season as teammates? Let's see when they actually fight for the championship. I think the situation may be a little bit different. Um, I think early in the season, Lewis, I, I don't know, it's just a pure guess, but maybe we're still digesting the Abu Dhabi from 2021. And because the car wasn't the way he wanted it to be, maybe just, you know, it wasn't, as I say, for, for George Fourth was great, for Lewis Fourth was it's disappointing and I think it, it got some good points down there uh, Lewis then really came back to to be Lewis uh, but George didn't step back neither so it, it was pretty good and I think at, McLaren, at Mercedes they've got a very great relationship a lot of respect and, and that could be a very, uh, very very big strength for the team in the future mm. Now I'll admit I missed this stat at the time actually but Russell theoretically could have finished second in the championship at that final race in Abu Dhabi. Because if he won with the fastest lap, he'd have uh, outscored Leclerc and Perez as long as they didn't score by one point. Um, now, it, it was kind of built on remarkable consistency rather than outstanding performances. Was that his standout quality this year, Damien, do you think? I do think so. I think in terms of banking points for Mercedes, I mean, this is a, a bad season for Mercedes. They still finished, you know, Miles clear of McLaren and Alpine in um, in in well uh, third and fourth uh, Alpine first obviously um, so uh, yeah he 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 basically scored very important points for Mercedes I think in terms of that constructors title and as you say it's, it is quite remarkable that he was actually in contention at all to be honest I don't think it matters uh, that he was in contention for second in the championship I don't think he would care too much um, and I think you know if you ask Checo and um, Charles Leclerc, with a you know that battle for second place, it doesn't really it doesn't really count when you've when you could have been a, a championship contender. And I think, as Roman said just now, um, it's going to be interesting next year. I think to see that Lewis 
George relationship if they are battling for wins week in, week out, and are actually in, in the fight for a championship? Because you'll get a completely different perspective on both of them, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's interesting, though, that you say you don't think uh, Sergio Perez or Charles Leclerc really were that bothered uh, about finishing second. <laughs> we're going to move on to Charles Leclerc now as the next candidate on the shortlist. And he did say at the FIA prize giving in Bologna that he really wasn't bothered about finishing second. He was kind of asked, you know, he's there as the runner up and he's told to talk it up, essentially. And they're like, you know, are you proud of this? And he's like, not really, uh, <laughs> because that clearly wasn't the target when the season started. Um, I mean, what a start to the year he had, Roman, with the win in Bahrain, second in Saudi Arabia, and then a dominant win in Australia. And I guess at that time as well, we saw some brilliant racecraft from him. He looked like the whole package, didn't he then? Yeah, I mean, after the first three races, you, you're a bit crazy not to think that Ferrari is going to be world champion without Charles Leclerc. And here we go. Um, they almost didn't finish second. So I guess that's where the disappointment comes from, from Charles. You know, if, if George had finished second in the championship, it would have, been, it would have meant something. Uh, but when you actually lead the championship by, what was it, 45 or 65 points over the max, whatever, a lot, and you finish behind, it hurts because you were in that position that you could have it and you didn't get it. Whereas for that, it was never, you know, for the drivers, I never had it. It was just catching up. So I think, I think Ferrari is going to be strong next year. I think definitely they did a very fast car in qualifying. Charles has been doing a great job. Uh, it, it made a few mistakes, but it's always when you try to catch up that you make mistakes. You know, if you're at the front and, and things are very smooth, it's kind of easier than when you're trying to catch up because there were a few things that put you on the on the back foot. So very impressive with, with Charles. I'm very impressed with Charles. I think uh, Ferrari is going to learn from this year and um, I think they'll be in the mix next year. Well, just to follow up on something you said there, Roman, you know what it's like to have cars at different levels of performance in Formula One. How much does it help your driving when you have a, a good car or one you feel is, is good for you and perhaps don't have to risk quite as much trying to get performance out of it compared to a bad one? Very easy. I mean, it's never easy to drive a Formula One car, but when it's very nat when it's natural, it feels easy. I mean, that's that's the thing, you know, it's if... If it's doing what you expect it to do, if it's driving to your driving style, and, and we've seen, you know, like Ricardo, we were talking about Daniel a minute ago, and McLaren just doesn't suit him. And he can't, you know, we're not talking miles, we're, we're talking three, four, five tenths of a second. That's on a, on a stopwatch, it's hard to get. Uh, on, a, on a lap time, it seems like an eternity. Um, so I think it's just, it's just when that car is, is working well for you, everything is natural and, and natural is easy. Yeah. And there were times that Charles did make it look easy, Demo. I mean, there were some great highlights this year. I think back to his move on Hamilton around the outside of Cops at Silverstone or the pass on Verstappen on the way to victory in Austria. I mean, we really saw him fighting and, and racing brilliantly at times, didn't we? We did. I mean, the, the first Grand Prix of the year in Bahrain was a, a great example of that. And uh, the battle between him and, and Verstappen was fascinating. And it was... Um, uh, a real chess-like duel in a way because of the use of DRS and working out where and when to to be in front and when to to hold back. It was a, a really great battle, and they carried that on in, in Saudi as well. Um, and I, he holds his own against Max Verstappen, which I think says an awful lot, given how good we you know we know that Max Verstappen is. I mean, I, I was really impressed with him this year. He the mistakes he made, it felt like it was desperation that he knew what was slipping through his fingers, uh, and there was a 
deep frustration there. But in Austria, another thing, an example was his resilience with the the throttle problem that he had towards the end of the race, which you know could have lost him that Grand Prix, and he managed it and he didn't panic and he won that Grand Prix and that was impressive. And I think he's got everything uh, in his in his armory to to go for a title. And I think next year he'll, as Roman said, I think he'll learn from this year and we'll see a stronger Charles Leclerc next year. Yeah, I mean, we will, in many senses, need to see a stronger Charles Leclerc next year because if we move on finally to another driver who appeared to make so few mistakes this season on his way to a dominant second championship, Max Verstappen had an incredible year. 15 wins, wrapped up the title in Japan. I mean, was it ever really in doubt, Damien, that he would take the title? Well, I guess it was earlier in the season. I mean, you know, he he himself felt it was out of out of his hands. I mean, you know, three races in, he was forty six points behind Leclerc, and it, uh, it it looked a little bit tricky for, for for Red Bull in terms of reliability. And they had to get on top of that before they could do anything else. And then suddenly he got on this run, and everything was going right for him. And you know, Ferrari was unraveling, but also Red Bull was um, starting to fire on all cylinders, and it was. It was that sort of season that I think all racing drivers must dream of when it when it all comes together. What was interesting was he never stopped pushing the team and he had those petulant outbursts on the radio quite regularly. It didn't take much for it to send him over the edge. And the, the team must know that's part of his character and they have to sort of uh, grit their teeth through those moments because they know that the, the end result is always there with Max. You know, there's uh, he's not a straightforward character in that, that, that sense. But um, he, what, a, what a great guy to have in your in your corner. Yeah, I mean, as you say, the end result's always there. 15 wins in one calendar season is pretty remarkable. I mean, Roman, just how good has the season that Max put together been, in your view? No, I honestly think it's one of the best that I've, I've, been, I've seen in Formula 1. Um, it's 99% perfect, 1% being Brazil. I think that one was, mm-hmm. was a wrong call and a wrong uh, message. Uh, apart from that... There's nothing you can say. It was he was done qualifying. He was done in the race. Even when he spun in Hungary, he still won the race. So when you start doing that positive spiral, you get everything right, and nothing can stop you. So that was simply an amazing. The only small touch I would say was the Brazil thing uh, that he didn't want to let Checo buy. The rest, honestly, I don't think you can do much better. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Hungary actually, because I was going to say two races really stand out. Uh, Hungary being one. Um, because it wasn't by design that he started so far back in the field at a track that it's meant to be hard to overtake. And to fo- fight through and win with a spin, as you say, was pretty remarkable. But then to come out straight after the summer break at the next race, starting what was, I guess, a net 13th because of Pierre Gasly starting in the pit lane. Um, but he just cruised through the field then. I mean, other drivers must be wondering, how do you beat that? You don't. <laughs> you don't. Uh simple as that i think it was just those two races that were just they were just stronger than anyone else i mean in those races it's not hard to be one of the competitor because you're just like well it it is it is another level it's hard to be a teammate because when you see that happening and you don't do it it hurts a lot but for the rest it was just like they were they won a different league it was massively impressive and i guess in that sense you know tip of the cap to Red Bull but maybe they'll come up in the best team category so this is uh this is about the drive and what he did and Damien I guess uh something that stood out to me is the fact that Max's approach never changed uh, as Roman's pointed out it did lead to maybe flashpoints in Brazil at the end of the season but he was never tentative even with 
big performance advantages or a healthy championship lead. I mean, is that a strength in your eyes? Are these almost so single-minded with the way he goes about his racing? Yeah, I think it is. He is what he is, isn't he? You can't change Max Verstappen. I think um, he only really understands one way, and that's that's his way of doing things. And uh, the team have to kind of go with him, I think, a lot of the time. I think sometimes it can be a little bit of a disadvantage. It seems that when he comes up against Lewis Hamilton, um, the bigger picture kind of goes out of the window. Um, and uh, he, you know, it's... it's, it's uh, uh, it, it doesn't seem to be a coincidence that, that those two that always seem to get together, I think. Um, so maybe um, this is the fascinating thing about him. There, there, there are some imperfections there that um, could be ironed out, but thank goodness there are, because otherwise we wouldn't see him. You know, no one would ever see him. He's, uh, he's incredible. Uh, and he has those days like a spa. He could do no wrong that day. The car was, was with him. The team was with him. Uh, and yeah, those days, as Roman says, you, you can't beat him. Um, but luckily, those days don't always come, and um, it's in the times of uh, difficulty that we sometimes see some of the weaknesses in him. Yeah, I mean, like you say, it's um, it's good that it's he's not uh, faultless, but at the same time, it's a scary thought that he could get even better. But there you have it, your four options for the Driver of the Year in 2022. Head over to motorsportmagazine.com to cast your vote, where you can also vote on Team of the Year, Best Race and Track, and Best Overtake. Plus, we've got the Hall of Fame shortlist. Now, you've got until 22nd of December to vote. Uh, and not here to sway your votes, but I am going to just turn to our two guests one final time at this point. Uh, and I'm going to start with Damien. Of those four on the shortlist, who's getting your vote for Driver of the Year? It's quite hard to get beyond Max Verstappen, given how stunning he was. Um, I mean, he was in the best car, um, and he was with a team that's fully supportive of him in good and bad moments. But I think given what he managed to achieve, the run of wins he got onto uh, and the, the, the times when he was unbeatable, um, you know, Perez wasn't unbeatable in the same car. Um, so I think, I think I'd have to give it to Max. Roman, same question is coming your way. Is it, is it Max from those four or does one of the other drivers take it? I'll, I'll go for George Russell. And uh, just to be a little bit different, uh, and because he, he had a lot to prove, and it wasn't an easy season coming next to Lewis um, in such a big team, and and being able to show what he, he showed, uh, pretty good. But yeah, Max, <laughs> as I say, it's a perfect season for Max, apart from one small instances. But just to be a bit different, I'm gonna go for George. I like that. I like that indeed. And that's the sort of thing that our, our listeners and readers have got to be thinking about too when they cast their votes. So uh, my thanks to Roman and to Damien for joining us. There'll be more special episodes uh, on the different shortlists wherever you get your podcast from. So make sure you take a listen to those and get your votes in on motorsportmagazine.com. And until next time, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 